Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Philip, very much, and uh, let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word as we open it now. Please help us to be good listeners. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to put into practice the things that we see and the things that we hear. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, this morning we remember and thank God for the fallen. People like George Greistock. Company Sergeant Major George Greistock, the 2nd Battalion of the Royal Norfolk Regiment. George is the eldest of six children, and he was born in Pretoria, South Africa. The family moved to England, and here it was that he was raised. He joined the Royal Norfolk Regiment after school, and on the 21st of May 1940, during the fighting south of Tournai in Belgium with the British Expeditionary Force, he took a party of riflemen forward to cover his company's right flank. They suffered heavy casualties from an enemy machine gun post, which George Greistock intended to put out of action. Coming under heavy fire, he was grievously wounded in both legs, but he was able to use rapid fire to kill the machine gun crew and put the gun out of action. His citation picks up the story. He then dragged himself back to the right flank position, from which he refused to be evacuated until contact with the battalion had been established and the line once more made good. By his gallant action, the position of the company was secured and many casualties prevented. He was taken home to the Royal County Hospital in Brighton where both of his legs had to be amputated. And it was there that he passed away, aged 35, on June 16th, 1940. CSM Greistock lies buried in the Bear Road Cemetery in Brighton. And his Victoria Cross is held at the Royal Norfolk Regimental Museum in Norfolk Castle. We also remember the often forgotten army of permanently damaged service personnel, uh, often labelled the lucky ones because they survived. And yet the injuries they received are so debilitating, their lives are changed forever.
arms and legs blown off by improvised explosive devices in Afghanistan, eyeballs shredded by shrapnel, colostomy bags permanently fitted because the bowel is ruptured beyond repair. One of the staff at Selly Oak Hospital, which treats and rehabilitates many of the most severely wounded, has said the more severely injured might need up to 15 or 20 different procedures, operations. He went on, we have people who are dedicated to looking after the welfare of the families. Most of the military personnel we treat are under 50, and so there are different psychological issues for the families. So today we remember too those who still live with the permanent physical and psychological impact of war, the wives and husbands, the children, the parents, struggling to come to terms with their child dying before they do. And today we remember those still coming to terms with their loss. Well, we're going to turn to Psalm 23 to help us with this. Uh, The Psalms are right in the middle if you've got a Psalm in the Bible, and Psalm 23 is uh, the best known of the Psalms, and probably also uh, has formed the world's best known and most loved hymn ever. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 23 this morning. And uh, uh, and it has to be said, doesn't it, that that many of us find stories like George Greistock and the uh, the interviews with some of the staff at the Selly Oak Hospital and so on quite moving. For others, it's not just moving, but it's also deeply personal. Because we know people who gave their lives in world wars or in recent conflicts in the Falklands, Iraq and Afghanistan. Or maybe we know people, perhaps a neighbour, who is permanently disabled, permanently disfigured, maybe, from wounds that they received in those conflicts. Or we simply want to remember and thank God for those who came back alive, for those who survived. My grandfather experienced the trenches in the First World War, My dad was in North Africa in the Second World War. My mum was in the Rennes. They all survived. They all came home. For others of us today, our loss and sadness may be caused by other things. We're just, as we all know, just entering lockdown number two. I read something this week suggesting that there may be a lockdown three or even a lockdown four in the new year. And it could well be that you're struggling with the the prospects of a long, dark and lonely winter ahead. Or perhaps with the prospects of a diary overflowing with Zoom calls, and uh, uh, which seems at the moment just beyond what you can bear. Or maybe for you it's a longing to see, to touch loved ones in your own family. Uh, and you're going through hard times, and you just long for someone to hug you. Well, in all those situations, in all those circumstances, we have to say that Psalm 23 is an extraordinary help and support. Now, many years ago, 
uh, Anne and I were in Paris and we decided we'd go to the Louvre from as we were there. We thought we'd go and find the Mona Lisa. And the, the first thing that struck me about the Mona Lisa when we'd eventually found it, first of all, we walked past and didn't notice, but when we eventually found it was just how small it is. It's got a great big frame, but the painting itself is really very small. Well, this morning we have another little masterpiece. Psalm 23, just six verses, but just extraordinary. Another little masterpiece. And, uh, uh, um, and it is, right from the first verse, this morning, I just simply want to say this and then unpack this. Um, I don't know where that came from. We should be seeing... Ignore those words on the screen. Let's, uh, let's remove those. And, uh, um, but we should be uh, uh, seeing here, we will be seeing this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And maybe, uh, maybe you remember hearing Psalm 23 at someone's funeral or at a, a memorial service for those killed in action. It is familiar. And sometimes it is those old familiar words which are the most helpful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, or in this version I have, I lack nothing. Nothing. Now, uh, uh, we see here, it was originally written by King David when he was a shepherd. And he recognizes that he has a shepherd. And although he is now king, he has a shepherd over him. And he's recognizing that. And then, about a thousand years or so after this was written, there was a, a young lad growing up in the Middle East who would have learned this, who would have sung it, who would have said it, he would have known it very well, he would have memorized it. His dad was a carpenter and he was growing up in a good Jewish family. And of course this Jesus, both God and man together, who died for us, was raised again from the dead, is now the Lord who is this shepherd. So although this is ancient, this is actually talking about someone who is currently, now, both the Lord and our shepherd. And the thing here is that it's not just the shepherd, as in someone kind of external to us, but we're talking here about the Lord being my shepherd. This is something deeply personal for each one of us. Very personal. King David writes, and he writes of a a relationship with God. My shepherd. And again, he goes on here in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes verse 3. My soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So all that he is saying here, and all we're going to see from Psalm 23 this morning, is just simply available to anyone who has this relationship, this personal relationship with this living Lord Jesus, and can say with King David, He, the Lord is my shepherd. 
And all the way through, in fact, Psalm 23 is celebrating, is rejoicing in this relationship with this shepherd king. So, right at the end of the psalm, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He has that settled assurance. He has that settled knowledge in his own mind and his own heart that actually with the Lord as his shepherd, that he will survive and go through this life with that best and most sustaining and refreshing relationship, but also the one who will go through death with him and be there with him on the other side. What a great help, what a great support, what a great comfort for all who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. So this is a very personal way of coping with stresses and strains, with pressures and struggles and pain and the dismay and the disquiet and the struggles and the sadness and the loss and the grieving and the the hole in your life, the what-ifs and the if-onlys and the maybes and so on that may be in your life today. There is a God. His name is Jesus. And he longs to have a relationship with us so that we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. The one who will be both your Lord and the one who will be with you for all of life and for all eternity. Now that sounds a bit like an advert. And of course it is. This really is an advert because God offers us this relationship with him which, which brings that, that comfort and that help and that hope for the future. And that can be yours and mine when we simply say to him, Lord Jesus, I really need you in my life. Please help me. Please come to my life now. Now we're going to look at Psalm 23 in a little bit more detail and see this difference that it makes when we can genuinely honestly say the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, the first thing I want to say is that in the first half of the psalm is he leads me and then from verses 4 to 6 that he is with me. It's a little bit hard to break up Psalm 23. There are absolute gems in every line. But uh, I just want to make those two main points. He leads me and he's with me. He leads me and he's with me. So first of all, uh, in verses 1 to 3, he leads me. And, uh, and underneath that, there are two subpoints. The first of those is he reassures me. So look at, uh, at verse 23 here in verse Uh, No, Psalm 23 and verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And uh, it is the Lord, Jesus, who does this. The Lord is my shepherd. So it's, it's not my life insurance that's my shepherd or my pension that is my shepherd or my career that I will rely on. Not actually even my family nor my friends. Uh, nor my doctor or my pills or whatever. No, it is the Lord who is my shepherd. And the one, he is the one who reassures me. The one who said and sung this psalm. The one who knew this psalm. The one who was comforted by this psalm. Who is now the Lord. And we see tremendous tenderness here. 
uh, as a shepherd with his sheep. Jesus leads those who are his. And as he does so, he reassures them in their walk with him. So you see in verse 2 there, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, gentle, caring, tender care. Such that verse 1 is actually true. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Nothing. With Jesus my shepherd, I lack nothing. He gives a whole different focus on life. So that I don't need that big house, the perfect teeth, the confident body image, the uh, swollen bank bank account in order to be happy. No. No more. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I may have those things, but it is the Lord being my shepherd who is the one who fulfills and in struggling and difficult times, the one who reassures me. Uh, the Lord who leads me and makes me lie down in green pastures so that uh, once again today I can cope with the loss, the pain, the difficulty, uh, the memory of a, a sudden and a violent bereavement, for instance. The Lord is my shepherd. And the one who reassures me here He leads me beside quiet waters. And at the beginning of verse 3, he refreshes my soul. Much in the same way that, uh, say, a good friend uh, with their hand on your arm in the days when we were allowed to get that close, uh, to comfort you and calmly reassures you at, say, your brother's graveside. It's going to be all right. And we're going to get through this. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And that is true even in the darkest places, even in the most difficult times. You may feel, for instance, that November is the beginning of verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I was talking to someone just recently, um, just saying, well, coming up to the, the clocks going um, back and the evenings drawing in and uh, being on your own uh, when it's all dark outside and, uh, and all the rest of it, and the prospect of that going through until next March when the clocks go forward again is just really, really difficult and a real struggle to cope with. So you may feel right now Nothing to do with Remembrance Sunday, but you could be thinking, this is the darkest valley. Or you may look back to that day when you had that knock on the door, and there was some military personnel there who came to tell you the devastating news, and you know that for you, that was the darkest valley. And we know, with Jesus as our shepherd, we can get through this, because he will reassure us. He will help us. He will lead us. He will be there for us. Because Jesus himself went through that darkest valley as he gave his life for us. So that he, and he alone, can be the one who gives deep and beautiful reassurance. He reassures He reassures me. It's okay. We're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. 
The next thing is this. He refreshes me. So you look at verse 3. He guides me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He refreshes my soul. Or it could be translated, he restores my soul. The best way to cope with hard and difficult days, hard and difficult times, like a lockdown, or like a very personal remembrance Sunday, or maybe like a bereavement service next week, I believe is to go deep. To go deep. But so often the advice we hear in a Saturday newspaper magazine, or on the radio, or uh, wherever it would be, is a bit thin and lightweight and superficial, isn't it? It's surface deep at best. But Psalm 23 tells us if we're going to get through the toughest times, we've got to go deep to be renewed and to be restored, to be refreshed. And that needs to happen, not just in a superficial external kind of way, but at the level of our souls. And those who cope actually learn to recognize that we can't cope. And then they turn to Jesus to restore their soul, to go deep, to renew the core of their being as they face these struggling, these difficult times. That's the best way to do it. And Psalm 23 invites us to be deeply renewed, to be reborn today. And when it says uh, my soul here in verse 3, he refreshes my soul. Um, It means my life. It means myself. It means the core of my being. It means you at the very deepest and most profound and most personal level of your existence. So let Jesus restore and renew you today. Let him lead you. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Let him guide you. In verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And that's not just for today. We're talking about these things for the rest of your life. And we're talking about these things not just for life, but actually for eternity. And a new life and a new eternity could start for you today. The second thing that Psalm 23 uh, talks of is this. Not only that he leads me, but also that he's with me. And that's verses 4 to 6. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or you'll see if you've got the same Bible as me, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The ancient Middle East, a shepherd used to live with his flocks. 
They didn't come home and watch Strictly on a Saturday night. They'd be out up on the hills, up on the fells there. And, uh, and if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, then wherever you go, whatever you're going through, however awful the situation, even if you're walking through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, even if you're there, you can still say with confidence, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And the reason I will fear no evil is not because I'm tough or resilient, because I'm not. It's not because I'm fit and strong, because I'm not. But it's simply you, that is Jesus. You're with me. And if you're a Christian, you're never alone, therefore. Never, ever alone. Because Jesus is always with you by his spirit living in your life. And the, and the first little sub-point here is just simply he protects me. Verse 4 talks about a rod and a staff which comfort me. The rod is a bit like a truncheon. It's probably best to think of that. Uh, and the staff is, uh, it, it, well, it's a longer stick often with the crook at the end, like the shepherd's crook to control and to protect the sheep. But let's remember again. This is Remembrance Sunday. And we're remembering those who've been through and maybe are going through the darkest valley. Let me tell you about Christopher Finney. He is 36 and a former British soldier of the Blues and Royals. He was awarded the George Cross for a bravery under fire during the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Finney grew up in uh, Marple, suburb of Greater Manchester, and uh, joined the British Army in September 2000. And his first operational deployment came during the Iraq War. And on the 28th of March 2003, the uh, scimitar armoured vehicle he was driving came under attack from a, a pair of American ground attack aircraft. It was a friendly fire incident. Finney rescued several of his comrades despite being hit by the attacking aircraft and was awarded the George Cross, the highest award for acts of conspicuous gallantry performed when not in the face of the enemy. And he was the youngest serviceman in the British Armed Forces to receive it. Well, he survived. And we thank God today for his courage in saving others and, uh, and for so many like him. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He protects me. Not everyone survived. Not everyone was fortunate like Christopher Finney. But what this protection is really getting at is a spiritual and eternal protection. Protection from an eternity without God. Protection from having no hope in this world and no hope for eternity. Verse 4 again says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And only the Lord Jesus can lead you through death. If you think about it, all other guides turn back at that point, And the traveller must go alone. But Jesus, because he has been through death, And because he is the Lord of eternity, when we come to that defining moment, when we come to that reality which we will all come to at some point, Jesus walks with us and we're not alone. And we find as we have put our hand in his, that he's there through that And, of course, on the other side, as we walk through the gateway to heaven, to glory, to paradise. That's what we mean by protection. It means death can't touch us. It means we're not afraid to die. I was with someone just the other day, and he said, Phil, I'm really, really looking forward to dying. Because he has this utter confidence in what lies beyond. And he's placed his hand in the hand of Jesus. He is with me. He protects me. And he can be with you and protect you forever. He is with me. He protects me. And then uh, finally here to say, he provides for me. He provides for me. Verses 5 and 6. Let's look at verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But before that, just look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a feast going on. And you're the honoured guest. And it's not that you've gone to the feast and then you've got to go home that evening. No, you're there, you're there for good. You're going to live forever with Jesus once you've started that relationship with him. And more than a feast, this is, this is a victory feast. A well-set table, you see that in verse 5? Festive oil, a brimming, brimming cup. Those are aspects of an ancient victory feast. Victory over the devil, victory over death. This is a picture of heaven. And of you sharing in Jesus' victory over all pain and all suffering and all loss and all tears and all grief and all separation and all sadness and this victory over all wars and all lockdowns and all pandemics. And as we live with Jesus as our Lord, who leads us, who provides for us in life, And in eternity. If you're a Christian, if Jesus is your Lord, then you can make Psalm 23 yours. And you can say with confidence, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.